Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I was kind of a minority within a minority back then. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation, and through my television work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation. Because I've come to realize that everyone's just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. And if you do, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of microfluidics. Hello. Hi. <laughs> oh, so much enthusiasm for a time when we're self-isolating. <laughs> I know it's uh, it's it's been a crazy few weeks. I think I with know. you know everything going on, it's it's uh, bizarre. Yeah, to say the least. And it's so like new to be in a situation like this. I mean, I've never ever experienced anything like this before in my life. So. Yeah, neither have I actually. It in a way it feels very apocalyptic. But yeah. in a way, it feels we're far long enough, you know, in scientific research that there is hope. Because I think if, you know, this happened, say, maybe, I don't know, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, it pretty much maybe would we wouldn't have stood a chance. Yeah. But, you know, today and, you know, with research happening so quickly, you know, with scientists just coming up with vaccines every, I don't know, two, three weeks, it it. It, it boggles the mind. It truly does. That's such a positive perspective. And thank you so much for that. Because honestly, like, I've been glued to the news. Um, and everything just sounds so terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to get lost in the negativity. But, you know, if it does, you always need to put a spin of positivity in all this in, in this crazy world because if we don't then I feel like there will be no end there'll be no light at the end of the tunnel uh, I mean especially because yeah because I've been you know working from home you know being quarantined um uh, at home and and after I think three days I was like I'm done I can't do this where is the light and you know it's it's just sort of looking forward looking waiting for the day that we can go to the pub and have a pint (laughs) gosh I must say as a self-confessed introvert I've really been enjoying um self-quarantine because I feel like in my daily life I'm just non-stop like almost like playing a game of whack-a-mole like always just trying to hit those things that are popping up all the time, like randomly just trying to hammer them down. And I feel like I've really, for quite a number of months now, not been able to really 
be in the driving seat of my life. <laughs> Sounds so dramatic. <laughs> but like, as a result of all this um, self-quarantine, it's really allowed me to like, not waste time on commuting. Yeah. And instead, spending time on like getting my to-do list for that day uh, in order and going through my to-do list in a methodical um, paced way. And it's just been incredible for that reason. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's been great because my only commute is from my bedroom to my living room, which is now my makeshift office. <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, the even the commute into work every day is sort of a way to get yourself prepped for the day you make a mental note of what you have to do. So in a way, I think losing that commute time sort of takes you back from preparing yourself for work. Mm. So I think there are pros and cons of sort of being, you know, sort of working from home and then working in the office because I think the office is sort of set up for you to do work and then home is where you unwind yeah so it's a bit hard to sort of you know make that distinction right now because your home is your office yeah but I think you know it's a beautiful time for introverts to thrive I totally agree a lot of my friends are introverts and we were just saying my god this is our time finally yeah usually we feel like outnumbered exactly I've always I was uh, I kept joking with my friends saying I have been practicing for this for my entire life. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm kind of loving it. And obviously, you know, um, on the serious side of things, like I do really want to protect myself and my family from, yeah. um, you know, catching this. And I think it, it all comes with a very uh, serious undertone because this virus seems yes. to be out of control. Um Exactly. But yeah, just in terms of kind of me time, it's been um, really, really useful. And I have heard some people talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, the world is reaching their rock bottom and, you know, there needs to be a huge reset of the way we do things. Yeah. And I really feel like what's been happening recently has allowed us to, you know, just start doing more shopping online. And my parents are cute. They're like, only discovering online shopping for the first time now and uh it's just like they're like wow this is who knew and it's like yeah people (laughs) yeah well I mean I think you know with this whole coronavirus thing I think it's it's definitely given everyone sort of a minute to step back and really evaluate what are they doing in life or at least for me it's sort of I step back and I say okay what is my purpose in life? You know, if we're looking at the bigger picture, really, like, do I really want to sit and work in a job that I don't enjoy? And then now I have to actually work on it from home. So I think right. it's it's interesting because you're self-reflecting, yes. but also at the same time, you kind of don't have a choice because you're trapped at home. Mm, yeah. So I think- I'm sure there will be a lot of people that are asking themselves if they're doing what they really want to do with their life yeah and um yeah I've certainly been sort of like asking myself that and uh the answer is like I want to do so much more uh, yeah and I just want to be so much more focused because I think uh life for me anyway is just very um I'm pulled in lots of different directions 
Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just feel like uh, there's there are areas upon which I need to improve, put it that way. Yeah, and I think this is a good time for you to maybe sort of work on that and pick up, you know, skills that you would often sort of put off because you you'd all, I mean, humans, you know, we always have an excuse to not do something. And I think now is a perfect time to sort of you know pick up a new skill. Like for myself, at least, I would really love to learn coding. Um, and because yeah. I'm sort of juggling a couple of things at the same time, I think sort of working from home gives me that flexibility to maybe take an hour or two out of my schedule and say, okay, I'm setting this time just to learn how to code. And there's so many things available online. And mm. and just spending a bit of time, you know, learning something now I think would be really useful as well. And maybe, you know, if this whole quarantine lasts for, I don't know, three months, four months, at least at the end of it, I'd come out being able to code and I'd feel a bit accomplished. Do you, do you reckon you will actually be able to code by the end of the quarantine? I, I would like to think I would be able to, but, you know, even if I can do the basics, that would be good enough yeah. for me. Yeah, that's brilliant. Because I would feel like I've actually put my time to good use rather than just, you know, moping around the house saying, oh, I'm trapped inside and I don't know what yeah. to do. No, I mean, that's such a fruitful way to look at things. Um, what is your day job like in, you know, on an average day? So because I'm a full-time researcher, so um, when I was allowed to venture outside, uh, my <laughs> my job usually involved, you know, sitting down, reading research papers, writing articles, writing research papers, um, working on my experiments in the lab. Um, and then also at the same time, I also have a company on the side. So I work a lot on the business side of things. So that would be running in and out of business meetings, um, wow. having uh, meetings with my co-founders and sort of trying to develop the company as well. Yeah. Uh, but now that, you know, we're trapped behind a desk, so it really just uh, involves a lot of reading and a lot of writing. Hmm. All the things that you really needed to do but never had the time to do. Exactly. All the things that are, like, I put it aside saying, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll read this 10 articles uh, sometime. And now I actually don't have an excuse to not read it. And, and sort of just, I think because being in science and because things are moving so quickly, every day there's a new creation, a new invention, a new yeah. development. Exactly. And, and just to keep on top of things. It's so hard when you have a million other things to do. And now yeah. that now that a major part of it's removed, so the part in which I do not have to be in labs, I can actually sit and focus on learning my field well enough. Mm. Yeah. I swear we're going through a global reset. That's amazing. I, I think so. And I think, you know, with you know, with just our I think humans in a way are very greedy. So in our desire and our need to just continuously develop, we've sort of, you know, let the earth die a little. And I think I think this is Earth's way of resetting herself 
So mm. she's like, she said, all you humans get back in. Let me just thrive for a while. And I think that's, that's what's happening. And I think, you know, if you look at reports on how pollution levels have decreased and yeah. how uh, how the temperature, I think, like, even the global temperature has gone down a little. And the last, I think I remember reading an article saying that pollution in Italy and China have reduced significantly. Yeah. So I think, you know, in a way, it's a good thing. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens at the end of it. Mother Nature's getting back into the driving seat. Yeah, I think she's had it with us. Yeah. She's like, hey, let me show you who's in control, okay? Exactly. you guys have been carrying on like you're owning it and actually you have no right to do that. I, yeah. I, I really, you know, I feel like this has been coming for a while. And, you know, is it 2015 when Bill Gates predicted all of this? So Yes. So, yeah. It's uh, It's been on the cards. Uh, it has been it. on the cards, exactly. But I'm surprised that the Simpsons have not predicted this, so a little <laughs> disappointed. Gosh, I mean, it sounds like you have such a well-rounded life. I mean, for someone who's researching, also got a stake in the business world um, and tech world. I mean, is this what you dreamed of doing when you were a kid? Um, if I'm really honest, no. Um, I think from a very young age, um, I've always had this ambition of becoming a medical doctor. Um, right. And somewhere along the way, I think I realized I I just want to do science. I want to be in labs, uh, carry, re- do research, make a difference in a way that it will impact a larger part of the society. And but I mean, I like yes doctors do make a difference every day but i personally didn't see myself doing that anymore so and especially i think because i come from a um southeast asian background as well just like yourself um i think becoming a doctor was something that was expected of you especially if you know if if you're a girl um and you come from a indian family that's just something that's it's at the top of the list on you medicine exactly it's, what is it medicine lawyer medicine, engineering a yeah. lawyer um or a teacher and i mean they're all fantastic careers but i think that wasn't the career for me and mm. i think from a from i would say maybe between the ages of 16 17 that's when i realized you know i don't want to fit in the norm i want to do something else i want to be a rebel and be different And that's why I chose the path of, you know, doing science instead and and becoming a full-time researcher. It's so awesome. Like, that was your way of rebelling. Um, Exactly. Other people kind of get into drugs, um, follow their favorite rock band around the world. And you got into another area of science. I mean. It's another kind of drug, I would say. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I think so. It is really addictive, um, learning about tech and just watching it evolve because it's just so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and the possibilities. I mean, especially in this time of uncertainty, like we really are looking to science and data for answers now. Yeah, and I think think that's just how the human race is evolving. 
where we're so dependent on technology and we're so dependent on medicine and and all of this stems from basic science, basic engineering, um, maths, and and I think more people should be interested in this subject subjects and and they shouldn't be afraid of just wanting to explore it. Mm. And I think what really astonishes me is that even though we're in the year 2020, the balance between males and females in this field is it's it's still not there like yeah. it's still very much a male dominated area and and I just hope that you know more girls would get into it and realize that it's cool to be a scientist and it's fun to be an engineer and we need to break the stigma that it's a men's world it's not right first of all did you think that you were going to end up in medicine because you were good at stem subjects or I was think, it uh, expected I think partly was it was expected uh just because of my upbringing and my background um and another and another reason is because i i generally always enjoyed science subjects uh let it be chemistry or biology or not physics i was never good at physics um so maybe you know some stereotype is true um <laughs> but i think i think my relationship with the whole, is there a gender balance in STEM subjects? I would say that I've kind of been, I've been privileged enough to go to a school where there was a good balance between the genders. And even my university with my degree, there was a relatively good balance and a lot of, uh, a lot of males, they were quite helpful. So it wasn't a very competitive environment. What did you study at uni? Oh, so uh, I did chemistry at university. Ah, yeah. So it was fairly balanced. And and it was an environment where everyone helped one another. And it wasn't, it wasn't a environment where oh, everyone constantly wanted to be better than the other person. So I think in a way, I recognize that I'm privileged that way. And not everybody had the same experiences as I had. Mm. And I think it's it's always important that when you are in such situations, you recognise that you are and and sort of help people, help other people who are, are not in your position. And if, you know, if they are faced with, you know, certain inequalities or issues that stem from a imbalance that, I think you should always recognize that privilege yeah. and it's, and it's really important. Let's go right back to when you were a kid. Like you said that it was kind of expected that you would go into some kind of medical field. Is that because you come from parents that were in medicine themselves? Um, not really. So both my parents were not uh, from a medical background, uh, but I think it was, it was more society and just it was a cultural thing and I had family members who were in the medical field and and it was just assumed that I would go into the medical field. Mm. Uh but I'm glad I didn't because I I don't think I would have enjoyed it um as much as I enjoy what I'm doing now. Mm. And I think it's I think and I hope that 
this it, it's moving oh, we're moving away from the expectation if you're an indian from an indian family that you are expected to go into these certain fields and i think now parents are more yeah even if you're not good at exactly STEM and i subjects. think now parents are sort of more open to the idea that oh my kid can do whatever they want which is great yeah i mean it's true that that generation like our kind of parents generation it wasn't a question of um what would you like to do when you grow up it was more a case of yeah you need to do this because you need to earn good money and yeah. have a stable career and the best way to get that is to become a doctor yeah and i i understand where they come from as well because you know during their time these were the jobs that provided you with a stable you know income and and it was a safe job mm-hmm. because you know when if i were if it was doing my parents time and i said oh i want to become a scientist they they've never actually heard of things like that for example my grandparents if they they would have never heard of you know a scientist or they they wouldn't have been able to envision us working in a lab mm-hmm. so i mean in a way i understand where it stemmed from and where you know where this ideology that oh if you like the accepted or the treasured occupations are you know being a doctor being an engineer being a teacher i i sort of understand where they're coming from and i'm just glad that it is moving away from it and our parents now or parents now at least are less pressured to sort of get their kids into certain fields yeah And now today there seems to be such a wealth of different careers to choose from. Exactly. And and careers that marry together almost conflicting disciplines. Yeah. So like, you know, some kind of scientist, material scientist working for a big sports shoe brand or something where they get to test their materials you know, in sports applications, I mean, you know, or, you know, dance meets scientific AI. Yeah, and think, or... Exactly. And I think that's exactly what's really interesting is that the degree that you study at university does not necessarily correlate with the job you end up doing. And yeah. I think a lot of things are very much interdisciplinary. Mm. So I could be doing a science degree and I could end up working in an investment firm. Right. And I think that that that's just the beauty of it and I think no one really envisioned it that it would be such. Mm. And I think, you know, as time goes on, I think to a point education would even move in a way where you wouldn't have to declare a fixed major where you could sort of learn anything mm. and then end up doing anything. Yeah. Which is why subjects like engineering are so great because they are so broad. Yeah. Um how did you make the segue from uh chemistry to starting a startup? Um well if I'm being really honest um I would say every great idea starts with a cup of coffee. <laughs> um and or, or tea in my case because I don't drink coffee. Um and that's honestly how it started. It started with a bunch of us having a cup of tea and uh, coffee um at our university cafe and and we started just having a general chat and and an idea was born we worked on it and and we 
sort of segue into business and trying to get our tech to work. And eventually we started distributing roles within the company. And I said, as much as I, I enjoy research, I would like to dip my toes in something different. Um, so sort of to switch on another part of my brain. So I said, I'll, I'll take on the business side of things so then I could pick up new skills. Yeah. And, and that's honestly how I sort of ended up doing the business side of things for the company. Gosh, and how's it going? Um, it's, it's going great. Uh, we're currently in the midst of prototyping. So uh, our CTO is hard, or at least he was hard at work in the lab, uh, trying to get our prototype ready for our dedicate uh, for our timeline, uh, which is meant to be in June, but everything's been pushed back now, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll somehow still work through it, I guess. Yeah, it just seems like a very brave move to go from academia and deep research to really kind of catapulting yourself into the big wide world of business. Um, has it been scary? It, it, uh, if you, um, has it been scary? Yes. But, but you often should do the things that scare you the most. Because mm -hmm. I always say that if something doesn't scare you, it means you're not passionate about it because you don't if something doesn't scare you and even if you lose out on it you wouldn't really care so the more that something the more something scares you the better it is and you should challenge yourself to overcome it um and there have been times where you know i, I sit i walk into a room filled with all these accomplished entrepreneurs and i go do i even belong here what am i doing here sometimes you just sort of suck it up and you fake it and till you make it and you know there are good days and bad days you know and some days you think oh I'm on top of the world and then some days you go I don't know if I want to do this anymore but you always come out just knowing that if my tech goes out into the world it will make someone's life better and even if it only changes one person's life it is still someone's life that I've changed have you felt the difference of being female in what I'm assuming is quite a male-dominated world um oh that is uh, that's a very interesting question actually yes the business world is very much male-dominated and the entrepreneurial world as well. But I think once again, I I have been quite lucky in the sense that I have been given amazing support by loads of different establishments um, where it brings together a lot of women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that is exactly how I met you as well, um, through through an event that was run mm. specially yeah. for female entrepreneurs. And I think because everyone, like everyone in the group recognizes that we need to rely and we need to support each other in this very male dominated world. And I think even the males that are involved in the program recognize that and they tend, they help us and support us and 
and provide us with you know advice um, any time of the day if you need it. And I think that alone is so essential. And and I don't think it's hindered me in any way uh, with bringing yeah the business forward. Okay, I mean, because it sounds like your chemistry degree, you were surrounded by very supportive colleagues, whether they were male or female. And so you've built up that kind of robustness of being who you are during your university days, which has really laid strong foundations for your sort of self-confidence and self-assertiveness as you've gone into the business world. Do you have any advice for young women embarking on a similar journey where it's likely they will be surrounded by a lot of men essentially I think if I have like if I have to give any advice I think all I would say is don't be afraid Um, and very often they are just as afraid as you are and just go for it there's there's no right way to do something and there's no wrong way to do something, especially when it comes to, you know, being in business or even in a job. You you don't know something until you try it. So, yeah, just go for it. And don't honestly, don't be afraid to mess up because some of the greatest lessons that you learn in life is through mistakes. And I think and I think sometimes that's how I learn things as well, where I have made a lot of mistakes mm. and I think those are the times that I learn the most because I know that, oh, I should not do that. Um, And yeah, I think that that would be one of my biggest advice to a lot of young girls out there. Just go for it. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's really sound advice, um, but really difficult to put into practice because for a lot of people that make mistakes, like that can almost be... Uh, prohibitive it could be exactly it could be I know it's something that's very frightening to sort of make a mistake and I think it's also just the way that sometimes women are sort of wired that if we make a mistake we are not we're no longer the best or we're no longer good enough Mm -hmm. and I think that's that's sort of a mentality that should be changed because men aren't afraid of making mistake why should we be afraid of making a mistake you know if we make a mistake we own it and we learn from it and I think that's the only way you get better at something yeah do you think, and I know do it's, you think that we're biologically wired to respond that way to mistakes or is this just a case of changing your attitude I think it's not that we're biologically wired that way but I think we're sort of been molded that way because of society and I think if we sort of break past that mold and and say, screw it, I'm I'm going to make mistakes and and sort of approach it in a more positive spin, instead of looking at it from a negative uh, perspective, mm. then I think I think we'll be less afraid to sort of you know make a mistake, take a wrong turn, and you know not aim for perfection because perfection is overrated at times so yeah I mean you're absolutely right everybody makes mistakes but I really feel like it's the way we 
carry ourselves through those mistakes that makes all the difference. And um, what I've noticed in my life is that men and women seem to have a completely different language. Like men, when they make a mistake, and I'm really sorry about having to like categorize men and women, because I do feel like we're moving into an era where the sort of male-female divide is actually becoming quite old-fashioned. Um, yes, but just generally speaking, in old-fashioned terms, um, men do seem to speak a language whereby if they make a mistake, they don't dwell on it. They kind of like brush it under the carpet yeah. and just go, "Oh well, you know, it was because uh, I woke up late that day, and so I wasn't thinking straight." Whereas women go into this like deeply self-critical, over-analytical. Um, period of reflection trying to understand why it happened and that can be really debilitating yeah I think oftentimes I think sometimes that's sort of just sometimes that could just be the way that we're wired where where we constantly aim for perfection um and I think that's just because of the pressures that have been put on us by society where if you're a woman you are expected to be of a certain way and by making just one mistake, you've sort of messed messed that up. And um and I think I think with men, and I completely agree with you where I don't think we're in an era where we should be distinguishing, you know, between men and women anymore. But just in a very general sense, I think men care less. And not all men, some men. Uh, they just care less. They think they and they brush it off and they move on, whereas we just continuously dwell on it. And and I think even I'm guilty of making that mistake. If I make if I do something wrong, I tend to sit and overanalyze things, thinking, "Oh, why did I do that? Oh, what what will that person think? And what will that person think?" Where in reality no one actually cares about it anymore. Like you've apologized and everyone's moved on except you. And I think if we sort of take a step back and go, okay, I've apologized. What can I learn from it? And what should I do in order to prevent myself from making the same mistake? And I think if we just change the language that we use on ourselves, I think we can come a long way. Yeah. I I love that expression, like the language we use on ourselves, because often, um, you know, if we struggle with um, sort of how we handle mistakes, it's because of the standards we hold ourselves to. Um, What's been your experience with that? Like, because to have studied where you have studied and to set up a technology startup and things like that, like... You've have you've got to have been extremely uh, accomplished, um, you know, uh, a successful student. So you must either the high standards come naturally, or you've really expected that of yourself. Um, I think it's 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 more that I well I've always been told this um, that I set expectations that are way too high for myself. And then when I don't meet mm. those expectations, I get really upset with myself. And and I've been 
and I, I think over the years, I've slowly learned how to set manageable expectations where I know that I can reach them and maybe go a little bit beyond. Um, and I think a lot of it came with practice. And because I remember um, having this conversation with my supervisor where I set the most unrealistic expectations and obviously I didn't meet it. And I went up to him and said, oh, I'm so upset with myself and I don't think I'm good enough to do this. And uh, I think there's so many other uh, uh, so many other students out there that should be doing this project. And I think you've made the wrong choice. Um, he sat me down and, and he's a very supportive um, supervisor. And, and I'm I'm very thankful that I do have like that I have him. Um, and he sat me down and said, Let's just, you know, take a step back and look at the expectations that you set yourself. You, It was very obvious that this is something that sh- should take at least six months to achieve. And you were looking at, I think I was looking at about a three month time frame. And he said, obviously, you were not going to like achieve it. Like it was just humanly not possible. Impossible. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. It was just completely impossible. Setting unrealistic expectations, not meeting it. And then being so hard on yourself, so we, so mm. we actually, he then sort of talked me through um, how I could, you know, reset those expectations, reset those um, milestones, and then we came to a point where we both agreed uh, what would be a realistic milestone. And then three months down the line, I did meet those expectations, and I said, "Oh, I do feel quite good about myself, actually." And then I sort of always used that point. Um, I. Um, that particular incident in my life and I've always sort of looked back at that and went that if no one had told me at that point that this is not how I should be handling myself or the language I should be using on myself I don't think I would have ever learned and I think I would still constantly be you know I would have been too like constantly being so hard on myself for not achieving something and I think not everyone is lucky as lucky as me to have somebody to sort of point me towards the right direction. But, you know, if someone just maybe if someone who's listening to this podcast right now sort of recognizes that this is the same thing they do. And maybe if I sort of help them realize that, OK, guys, let's set real expectations here. Like, let's not overestimate myself. Then I would say, you know, maybe I had I've helped someone today and that would make me feel better as well. So, yeah, I mean, it sometimes it can feel a bit like you're slacking yeah. when you go a bit easier on yourself. And it's like, oh no, but I'm like, I know I can get an A triple star um, as opposed to just an A type of thing. But actually getting just an A can lead to just greater fulfillment i mean i think Um, there's a difference between slacking off and you know doing your best trying to have a balanced life yeah exactly i think i mean i think just because you know you're setting more realistic expectations it does not necessarily mean you're slacking off and i think that's that's sort of a mentality that a lot of people have um in this world today i think because everything's moving at such a quick pace that you know people think that oh I have to constantly be on top of it It, there are days where you could you know take some time off relax and 
you know, you're not going to be left behind. You will be left behind when you burn out at the end because you've just not given yourself any time off. Yeah. I mean, I think different things have different values to different people. So um, rest and relaxation time can hold more value to one person compared to another. And certainly when I was a student, um, any time off or fun or just kind of like recharging time um, felt like a complete waste of time. Like I remember sort of like, you know, if my friends said, oh, let's go to the movies, I'd think I couldn't possibly allocate two hours sitting in front of a screen doing nothing. And it even got to the point where like, sleeping I felt guilty sleeping <laughs> and I would yeah, like record no. all my revision notes on tape and listen to the tape while I was sleeping sleeping no so I, think I thought I was yeah. very much similar to you as well and um and I think I sort of fell into this very negative hit space um yeah. at, at one point uh in my PhD and I just you know I was I want to say I was depressed, but depress- depression is such a heavy word to use. But I was just in a very mm. dark headspace and I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to see my friends. And it was one of those weeks where I was working, you know, 16 hour days and I was working on the weekends and I'd not seen my friends in months. Um, and I walked into um, my supervisor's office and he said, you look like hell. And um, and it was not a pretty sight. Um, and he said, "Give yourself a week off." And when someone tells you that, I think you sort of sit back and evaluate your choices, and you go, "Oh, mm. do I want to be working sixteen hours every day and and not taking care of myself? Do I want to? Do I want to?" go continue on in this path and and burn out in the end so I did take a take a week off and and I didn't look at my work I I I unsynced all my emails which I later regretted but it still felt good right (laughs) but it because uh, rethinking was a nightmare <laughs> yeah you know thinking thinking back and then replying to all the mail that had come in um uh, but you know but it felt good that entire week um I I didn't even look at my phone. I uh I went on a complete detox and I and I explored London. I was walking around London. I was going to coffee shops and cafes and and I did a bit of retail therapy and and it felt good because I was recharged and and then I took a day to just sort of write down what my goals for the year was and what I wanted to accomplish. Uh, let it be with my research, um, my career, or the business, and it really felt good. And and since then, I've sort of, uh, I've sort of told myself I am not going to work on the weekends unless absolutely necessary. And I made more time for friends and more time for family. And I think I've been in a much better headspace since then. And I think it's mm. really important that we recognize when it's time for a break. And I think mental health is something that people so often don't talk about because it's taboo. And especially in a, in an Indian family, 
it's definitely not something you bring up but mm. I think um I would I'm lucky enough that when I spoke to my parents about it they sort of understood uh what I was going through and and it wasn't a very typical response where they said oh just sleep it off or oh just work a bit less but they actually sat down with me and sort of I spoke to them about how I was feeling and why it was really important for me to take a week off and they were very supportive and even till today they they make they make sure that I don't work too hard and and I'm lucky in that way and I I reckon and I realized that not everyone would have supportive parents that way but sometimes all it takes is just a conversation and and you never know what how it would turn out mm. yeah and i think being uh honest and sort of admitting that y- you may be struggling yeah um can often kind of open the gateway to opportunities for growth yep. and um you know becoming stronger as a person because you're saying you know what i'm overwhelmed or i need help or i can't cope yeah but that's often the um, hardest part isn't it sort of recognizing yeah, yeah. and admitting that you need help because uh, it's more of like it's a kind of a pride thing as well where where people feel sort of sometimes they're just too proud to sort of say mm. I need help. And I think I think there's a high concentration of women in STEM like that because they are so capable and they are so accomplished. So the idea of getting to a point where you actually say, you know what, uh, this is all a bit too much, yeah. just isn't in our vocabulary because we've always managed to cope. Yeah, and I think it's also the expectation that, oh, because she's a woman in STEM, because she's a woman in general – is that oh of course she's going to um suffer from you know so she needs help and i think because of yeah. that alone i think we're less we tend to less likely ask for help and i think that's something yeah. that it, it's very sad but at the same time i think it's something that we should try to work past that you know, we have feelings too Definitely. and there are days where i just don't want to get out of bed i just want to stay in bed all day and it's fine. It, mm. It's fine to have bad days because just like good days, bad days exist too. And I think that's something that we should recognize. And I'm sure there are men that go through that too. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm sure there are guys. I mean, I'm sure it's a people thing, yeah. not a gender yeah. thing, where people are just like, you know what? This is all a bit too much. Um, and... I think it would be so great if we got to a point where we're all just being very honest about our capacities. Um, Because what I have experienced in STEM is that no one talks about their capacities. Um, And, you know, in STEM, we're very much a head led society. I mean, we're, we're, we're functioning on data and equations often and just very sort of logical, rational means um but you know at the end of the day we are also human beings with a heart and a soul um and i've found in stem that you often have to put your heart and your soul to one side in order to maintain your 
kind of academic authority or scientific authority. Yeah, I think it's more of being because um, you're expected to be logical and you're expected to sort of not have feelings. Not have feelings in a way exactly and and you you think with your brain and not your heart. And I think because when you're in that headspace for such a long time, it's very easy to neglect how you feel. Um, but I think, yeah. you know, I think with a lot of, you know, uh, mental health awareness movements and things like that, that's happening in this, in STEM itself, I think more emphasis is being put on talking about feelings. And I think there's also a very scientific approach to it. And, and maybe that would appeal to the larger, you know, to the community because any if you plaster the word scientific in front of it, people will come and people will listen. So that's great. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, as we navigate through our periods of quarantine <laughs> and you teach yourself how to code, um, it, it really does show that uh you know, we are moving into an age where everything is becoming technology driven. Yes. I mean, we, I don't think any of us would have been able to cope during this time without technology. Um, you know, in terms of working from home, ordering online, that kind of yeah. thing. And I'm really hopeful for the future because I feel like as we become more technology dependent, um, hearts and minds will start to come together through technology um so things won't be so binary and you know technology may assist us in being more heart-led yeah if you know what i mean yeah i think i think we don't realize how reliant we are on technology until until this whole quarantine coronavirus crisis hit us where like like you said if this was something that happened 50 years ago I don't think the workforce would have been able to cope with it uh working Mm. from home would not have been possible most like most probably um and I think we would have been bored out of our minds (laughs) we would have had we I mean we would have had certain things to do but Netflix wouldn't have been a thing (laughs) youtube that well i guess the internet was around but you know we wouldn't have had uh access to you know things like our laptop and our phones and i think you know as we move forward into the future and even if something like this hits us again in another 50 years from now i think number one we would be more prepared uh and number two i think technology would take us a long way yeah yeah and I think for that reason, we need to close the gap between um, the genders in STEM. Um, and I really do feel like women need to uh, embrace their inner scientist and inner engineer. Because I think these subjects are not gender specific. So. No, they're not. Like, I think, you know, if you want to be the next Melinda Gates or Bill Gates, go for it. You know, if if you want to be the next Mark Zuckerberg, go for it. And I think STEM-related subjects, you know, 
it is for everyone. It is for every boy and every girl. And it's not something that's, you know, like you said, gender specific. And I think if you have a genuine love and interest for it, you should explore it and you should go for it. And if you didn't really mean what you said about not being good at physics because you're a girl then, right? <laughs> no, no. I mean, that was a joke, but I, I generally am not good at physics. But, uh, but no, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's just because you're a female or a male, it does not mean you shouldn't be in STEM. I think yeah. if you love the subject, you should go for it. And Yeah, because I feel like... Um you know, what you said about physics, I think girls, if they are not so strong in any of the STEM subjects, they think, oh, it's not for me. But, um, you know, often it, you must know this from your startup experience. You know, everything is learnable. I mean, even yeah. with your coding um, aspirations, like it's all a matter of just sitting down and learning. Yeah. I mean, I think if, you know, there's nothing in this world that you can't do if you don't learn it like I want to code I can learn how to code and we have access to that through technology and if you want to learn uh I don't chemistry for instance then you can learn chemistry through technology and I think everything is available out there for us to sort of learn Mm. and that's that's the wonder of the world today that you know a chemistry major can run a business or a business major can do some form of science and i think that mm. that's just the beauty of it isn't it and and i think that's where the world's heading towards as well where everyone can do a little bit of everything yeah i mean i think one of the myths that is often associated with STEM is that you can't really do all the things that women aspire to do, like start a family and, you know, things like that. Um, if you're in a STEM career, because it's so male dominated. Yeah. In your experience, do you reckon that still stands? Um, to a certain extent, I think yes, but I am hopeful that will change and it is changing and I think a lot of effort is being put to sort of wipe out that stigma um Mm. and do you reckon you'll be able to uh juggle things like personal relationships a family that kind of thing being in technology yeah I think I could do that and a little bit more um I think that you know I I think I, I want to strongly believe that I will be able to do that and I will be able to have, you know, personal relationships outside of work, um, have a family and have a career all in one goal. Um, and I think a lot of support is also being put in place to allow people to have that. Um, and so, yes, if you ask me if I'm hopeful, I am very hopeful. Do you know what? Given the fact that you started out as, you know, PhD in chemistry research and then uh, 
took the leap into starting a technology company yourself. And given your attitude, I have every faith that you will be able to juggle even more um, in your life. Oh, so thank you so much. I really feel like it's not just about what's possible, but it's also about one's attitude that can get you what you want in life. And talking to you today has really kind of shown me that it's all about optimistic and positive thinking so thank you so much for coming on the show oh thank you for having me and i i hope that you know someone out there listening this would some would probably maybe get inspired to sort of join stem and and have their own business and run their own company and you know have it all so thank you so much for having me that's it from my stem guest this week gosh what a woman for someone who is juggling so much, um, who's still able to have such a chirpy and bright attitude towards life is really, really inspiring, especially during this time of quarantine and self-isolation. Um, thank you so much for listening to this podcast this week. And don't forget, there are many more episodes where you can really delve into the attitudes and perspectives of women in STEM. And like my guest today, you can really learn from and really feel kind of invigorated for pursuing a career in STEM as someone who's a minority or maybe not following the crowd. It is totally possible if that's what you want. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to rate and review and catch you next week on Silence.